Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And we have Claire Stanley, who has um, offered to be a speaker tonight. And I wanted to move along quickly because Claire may need to catch a bus to get home. So, Claire, as soon as you can speak, please do so. And we'll stop introducing ourselves and let you begin, okay? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to please give your um, name and where you're from. And if your name begins, your first name begins with A through G, could you please introduce yourself? This is Amy from Dallas, Texas. Thank you, Amy. This is Alyssa from Georgia. Hi, Alyssa. Eugene Batsky from Clearwater, Florida. Oh, Eugene is here. Good. Alan Raymond from Ontario, California. Hello. Um, this is Cindy Calhoun, Cindy C. from uh, Savannah, Georgia, now living in Birmingham, Alabama. Anyone else? A through G? Well, obviously, Claire can't get in. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I wasn't even thinking of myself. Hi, everybody. I am Claire Stanley from Rockville, Maryland. Claire, do you want us to con- continue introducing or would you rather speak so that you can get to where no. you need to be? Go ahead and have everybody introduce themselves. Okay. Anyone else? A through G? How about H through N, please? Oh, we have someone that needs Holly Columbus, Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it Holly? Anyone H through N? Louise. Melanie. Louise and Melanie. Okay. Melanie from Virginia. Okay, Melanie and and Louise. Hey, hey Kenny Catherine in Hawaii. From Colorado. Ke- Kenny? Kenny from where? Yes. In Hawaii. In Hawaii. Hi. And Catherine, you're Hi. from California, right? I mean, Colorado, correct? Yes. Yes. Thank okay. You. Anyone hi, else? Karen from Philadelphia. Oh, hi, Karen. I don't know. Hi. Julie Brandon from Puyallup, Washington. Hi. Jay from Tucson. Hi, Jay. Anyone else? Okay. How about M through T, please? Denise Roberts from Florida. Okay. Sheila Young, Florida. Hi, Sheila. Hi. And Denise, yeah. And myself, Patty from Wisconsin. Anyone else? And Terry from Maryland. And Terry, okay. And how about to the end of the alphabet? Nancy from California. From California. Penny Val. Hi. Okay, Nancy. Penny. Penny Valdivino from Bakersfield, California. Hi, Penny. Sandy Edwards from Arkansas. Hi, Sandy. Vanessa anyone? from Chicago. Vanessa, okay. Is that? Did I miss anyone along the whole trail? Well, tonight we're tonight we're going to begin talking about. Um, disaster and emergency preparedness and Claire um, has had some experience and she serves on on committee so she's going to start tonight and then we're going to just share amongst ourselves because next week we're going to have um, Cecilia Warren from Maryland who will be a a speaker as well and she's done many presentations so what doesn't get covered tonight will definitely be covered next week. Claire would you like to begin please? Sure. Um, So hi, everybody. Like I said, my name is Claire. And for those of you who don't know me, I work in the national office as the advocacy and outreach specialist. Um, Part of working in the national office is that we get to work with a consortium of many other disability advocacy organizations um, on a uh, something called the Consortium of Citizens with Disabilities. And one of the task forces that I'm part of under that consortium is called the Emergency Preparedness Consortium. So we get to be part of 
you know, just goings on at the federal level here. Um, I live just outside of D.C., so right on Capitol Hill. And so I thought I'd take a brief moment to just talk about some pieces of legislation that the disability community has been working um, tirelessly for quite some time now. Um, pieces of legislation that would impact people with disabilities as it pertains to emergency preparedness. Um, and then I can talk a little bit about what's going on with COVID and then I can answer any questions. Um, so the first piece of legislation, people call it the Ready Act, but it's the full name is the Real Emergency, <clears throat> excuse me, the Real Emergency Access for Aging and Disability Inclusion for a Disaster Act or Ready Act. So it's a mouthful, but basically like the name implies, it pertains to making sure that there are um, programs in place for disability persons of um older age and people with disabilities for um, emergency preparedness. So what, I'll name a couple of the things that the Ready Act will do. It'll provide technical assistance for states and local entities um, during emerge, uh, you know, national disasters, um, any type of emergency. Um, it'll provide technical assistance for states and local governments to know how they can best accommodate people with disabilities in those situations. It'll provide grants. We know that money is often a big issue, so it'll provide some financial assistance to implement these kinds of programs during emergencies. Um, for instance, we all know that's one of the biggest issues now during COVID is we need money to implement a lot of policies. It'll disseminate information about um, appropriate practices. So a lot of local governments don't necessarily know how to accommodate people with disabilities. So that's something the Ready Act would do. Um, and it would contract with Centers for Independent Living. Um, that might be a term that people are familiar with. Centers for Independent Living have the knowledge and know-how to accommodate people with disabilities. So it accommodate with Centers for Independent Living to make those accommodations. Um, and it'd make sure that those accommodations are provided in the most integrated setting. So if you have a disability, you're not going to just kind of get pushed into some separate location and forgotten about. But that um, under the Ready Act, they'd make sure that people with disabilities are um, provided for in the most integrated setting. Um, so that's kind of the 30,000 foot level of the Ready Act. Um, it's something that ACB um, promotes and has been a part of um, the advocacy for. Um, it did get proposed in this past um, Congress, the 116th Congress. But as all of you know, we're about to start a new congressional session starting in January with the 117th congressional setting uh, session. So we'll see. Hopefully, I would be surprised if it wasn't reintroduced. But as we know, under our system, it has to be re, um, re uh, proposed and go through that whole system. Um, the next piece of legislation that has to do with um, disability um, emergency preparedness is called the Disaster uh, disaster Relief Medicaid Act, or DERMA for short. I won't spend as much time on this, but basically what, what DERMA says is that if you receive services via Medicaid because of your disabilities and you're suddenly displaced, say, to a different city or state, your Medicaid services will follow you. And that's really important because depending on the severity of one's disability, suddenly if you're kicked over, like we've seen, for instance, with um, hurricanes in the past, say you once lived in Florida and now you have to live in a totally different state. You need your services to follow you depending on your disability. So that's what DERMA does. So again, it's a piece of legislation that the disability community as a whole is um, pushing for, and it has had um, 
I always call them the numbers. It had bill numbers um, linked to it, meaning it was um, entered into Congress as a bill. But again, it'll have to be reproposed in the 117th Congress. So we're in a very exciting year right now, you guys, where everything we've done in the past two years with Congress now get to start all over again. So um, we'll hope to see these um, come again. Um, so those are the two major pieces of legislation that I can answer questions on. And then one other thing I wanted to bring up that the National Office has been part of discussions, and some of you have might even been part of these conversations, um, surround emergency alert announcements. Um, and we've been having a lot of conversations back in... I think it was at the Rochester Convention, several of us had the opportunity to talk with Tony Stevens about how emergency preparedness alerts should be um, put out there in the, in, the, in the world, so to speak, during emergencies, meaning on broad, broad, broadcast television and things like that. So I don't have as much concrete details, but I just wanted to throw out some of the things that have been discussed. So um, under current existing law, they do have to provide emergency um, alerts over broadcast television, but there are still some wrinkles in that. First of all, broadcast television isn't as widely used anymore. You know, now people are using streaming devices and all other kinds of things. So there's been discussions about how can we make these um, alerts broadcast over all kinds of different services because you might not be watching television anymore. And even if you are still watching television, we all know you get, you know, the alert that beeps at you and says this is a test or not a test. But sometimes the information that's given, even if it's over a news program, can be really insufficient for those of us who are blind or visually impaired because for instance they might show a map and say COVID is especially prevalent in this region and they'll just show a map on the screen and they won't tell us that COVID is prevalent in your county they'll just say in this region of the state so it really lacks for information that's um, portrayed um audibly and detailed description for those of us who can't see maps or pictures or things like that. So there's been a lot of discussion too on how can we enhance that kind of um, information that's provided over broadcast television, streaming services, radios. We even get alerts now on your, your smartphones. I'm sure everybody's gotten those. So how when we're working with that, can we um, make sure that information is relayed properly and effectively? I know Dan Spoon always gives some really in my mind, scary examples of living in Florida when hurricanes are going through and making sure that information is provided, you know, immediately because it, it's really important. Um, so that's something else the national office is talking about. And then lastly, before I open it up for any questions, I just wanted to let you know that the national office is um, very actively involved with emergency preparedness pro uh, programs for COVID. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the CARES Act that came out. It was one of the stimulus packages that Congress passed to deal with the COVID-19 crisis. And we've been making sure that elements that fall under those stimulus packages benefit the blind and visually impaired community um, to respond to the emergencies that are connected um, with COVID. And if you have any questions about those, they can let you know what, what's been covered. But um, we are working. I feel like that's obviously the most timely emergency that we're dealing with is COVID. And the national office has been working on 
on everything related to healthcare and transportation and, uh, you know, video access and you name it, it, it all kind of ties into COVID right now. So that's our, our big grip on emergency prepared right now, emergency preparedness right now. And then it's all COVID related. So Clark and I joke that we uh, are not at a loss for work right now because of COVID-19. So that's kind of a, an overview of the legislation we've been working on and some of the things we've been talking about. And I'd be happy to take any questions or comments or suggestions. Patty, if you'd like, I'll just remind folks that we would like them to, that you would like them to raise hands and, and for raising hand, you, if you're on a PC, you want to use alt Y. If you're on a smart device of an iPhone, it's the raise hand button is either in the middle or in the lower right, depending on the, on the device itself. And if you're on a landline, it's star nine. And if you are on a Mac, it's command shift nine. Um, I will rec- let Patty know who's got a hand raised. And when we unmute you, I will, um, possibly unmute the person when it sounds like the person's getting close to the end of their question. I can un- start unmuting the next person so that it just kind of moves along a little more quickly and smoothly. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Terry. Anyone have a question? You have, um, I think it's Catherine. Is okay, Catherine, go ahead. And I've asked her to unmute. Um, are you talking to me? My name is Cindy C. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was Catherine. But it's okay. okay. Um, all right. Um, even though people who some people who do use tele uh, uh, the television, you know, like on the Weather Channel, when you get that beep, what are mm-hmm. some strategies or some possible solutions you're working to get the um, them to you know put the speak the message where you you don't have to hear it, um, you don't have to, you, you, you know you hear a beep when you're on the Weather Channel yeah. or that tone that you yeah. hear on the regular channel. Of course. Yeah. So like I said, those are some things that are constantly um, in discussions in the national office where a lot of the um, work that would contribute to changing those policies goes through the Federal Communications Commission. Um, So that's something that we're constantly, we have some great relationships over with the FCC. Um, Tony Stevens is really involved um, as well, as well as people like Carl Richards and Clark Rockfall. Um, So yeah, those are, those are things we're always in discussion with. And we'd always love creative suggestions on what, you know, might be more helpful from you guys, whether whether it be, you know, audio description or a different tone or um, so the exact parameters we haven't decided on. But like I said, I can assure you, those are things that we're constantly talking about and trying to find solutions because as we all know, things are becoming so visual and different graphs and um, those, those are not helpful for our community. I do have a TV and uh, it it would just be great if they could just, you know, interrupt and say so-and-so tornado Mm -hmm. watch for For sure. Yeah. Verbally. Yep. Thank you, Cindy. Who's next, Terry? Hey, can you hear me? Oh, yes. Yeah. Hi, Claire. How you doing? Good. Thanks. Uh, question. I know that they do alerts and stuff on TV, but, you know, on my cell phone, I get alerts when there's like a, uh, a child missing or an Yeah, adult. the Amber Alerts. Yeah. Yeah, the Amber Alerts. But I get weather alerts, too, then when they talk about thunderstorms and stuff. But, you know, there's no alerts coming over about hurricanes or whatever. You know, those are the, some of the alerts that need to be put out over the phones. That's a really good point. Yeah, I agree. I haven't heard them for those kinds of things. So that's definitely something we can put in the hopper as something we can advocate for. So thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Claire. You're doing a good mm-hmm. job. Well, the next one's coming up, Claire. I would add um, tornado watches and warnings as well, with, with, yes. along with the hurricanes, because a lot of times <laughs> we don't know. No, that's helpful to hear from people from different geographic regions, too, because it's, you know, easy for us to only think of our region. But, yep, tornadoes and hurricanes and, yep. And Melanie, Melody is next. Okay, hello, Claire. Nice to finally be on the call with you. Um, I know the secondary audio program, if you have that on your TV, it will speak. If you have local weather warnings, it will describe and read the descriptions on the Mm -hmm. screen for you. And also, I just want to know that we would get alerts on our phones and in the outdoor speaker systems for um, if there were to be a terrorist attack or a nuclear accident or a chemical or biological, um, you know. Great. Thank you for that information. That's all the hands I see right now. No one else has any questions or comments or I said that one went up of course okay great great Terry area code 501 okay um I kind of just got in a little bit ago but um so you might have covered this but my local tv channels do um you know when we have severe weather um they'll um They'll have that, you know, big, those beeps, and then they'll, you'll have that um, computer sound thing. The um, emergency alert system or whatever it's called has um, issued a tornado warning or, or whatever, a severe thunderstorm warning. And then they'll say the following, ca- the following counties, and they'll, um, and they'll um, indicate which um, communities in each of the counties, you know, they'll say the names of the counties and then they'll, they'll um, indicate the names of the communities. And especially like if it's a flash flood warning, they'll remind people if you see water in the road, uh, they'll say turn around, don't drown. Um, also, one time, um, my smart speaker, I can't say her name because um, she is in my midst, <laughs> but my smart speaker did say, um, you um, haven't haven't asked me to if you have any messages. And so I asked her if I did have messages, and she told me, um, and they were weather-related issues. Oh, that's great to know. Yeah, in response to your first part, there definitely are some existing um, services through your local TV provider. Um, so that's definitely something to celebrate. Um, the issue just being that not everybody uses broadcast television and there's still limitations. But yeah, we can definitely celebrate that there is some existing. But that's actually a really exciting feature to hear about. I also have one in my midst, so I will not say her name. Um, but that's actually really exciting to hear. I'd never heard that. So I think that's something I'll add to my notes that we can talk about that Um she who will not be named can be yet another source of accessible emergency preparedness. So thank you for letting us know that. You're welcome. That's all of our calls for right now. Um, Claire, I ha- this is Patty. I have I have one that, that yeah. I'm concerned about, especially with like when these fires in California and Oregon and, yeah. and wherever they're at. You know, if if you're told to evacuate, what does a person do if they can't drive and, you, you know, maybe there's no one home in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What does a blind or visually impaired person do if you, if you have to evacuate for a flood or a fighter or a hurricane and, and, you know, you can't depend on public transportation at that yeah. point. 
That is a that is a really good question with no easy answer. Um, that's something I know I've heard discussions about on how we can develop programs to accommodate people. Um, I wish I could say, oh, just call, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there are not easy answers. So that is definitely something that I've heard discussions about in the disability community as um, providing non-emergency transportation. But I guess it is kind of emergency, but non-emergency meaning not, you know, if, uh, an ambulance or whatever. So alternative forms of transportation. So um, yeah, I wish there was an easy answer, but that's a really great question. It's something I've heard talked about um, a lot, especially like you said, with the fires and things like that. So that's definitely a piece of advocacy work that we can and should be working on. So yeah, great, great point. Anyone else, Jerry? Not at the moment. Well, I have another question and I know this has come up a lot. Um, you know, a, a lot of us are, are service dog users, and I know a lot of times people can't take their pets, but our service dogs are, in, in my mind, different. And how can we get them to understand that <laughs> that's part of our way of traveling, mm-hmm. that our dog um, needs to be with us? Yes, they should not be denied um, in any emergency situation. So whether you're going to a shelter or you're taking some kind of transportation to get out of the area, whatever it is, um, you should not be denied access if you have your service animal. So um, if you guys have any, you know, individual stories like that, let us know because um, even in emergency situations, they are still considered service animals and, you know, titles two and titles three still apply in those situations. So. Since there's no more questions, is, and Claire, do you, have to, do you have to go now? Otherwise, I'm going to open up. Maybe some people have experienced um, events that you've been through or you've had to leave or you've had to relocate. It, it'd be interesting if you could share some of those stories briefly with us just to give us how you were successful or how you weren't successful at, in an emergency situation. But first, I want to make sure if Claire has to go. Um, I can still hang around. I'm fine. But um, before you guys open it up, I just want to let you guys know, as always, if you have any advocacy issues, reach out to us and especially emergency related issues. Um, COVID has really opened up our eyes to needing to work on these issues. So you can always reach us at advocacy at acb.org. So shoot us an email. We'd love to talk about these issues because everybody's brought up some really important things. And you do have a call. Okay. Uh, Ending the phone number ending in seven zero four. Yes, hi. Uh, my name is Nancy I'm from California, and I do have a question that concerns me. I to make it brief. I called the fire department. We have the earthquakes out here, and mm-hmm. they said we'll call the call the living center. You know, can the police and the and the fire departments be apprised of? Because I don't have friendly neighbors. They're okay. My my friend. I don't have family out here. You know, how, and the dollar rise. You know, a Lyft and Uber may not be running, so I don't know how the heck I get out of here. So thank yeah. you. No, it's a really good, good, important topic. And I think that's why the Ready Act that I talked about would start to help implement some of those um, policies as well, would really um, look, t- take a deeper dive at the accommodations needed for people with um, disabilities in emergency situations. So definitely, um, like I said, you know, the, we have to start the whole bill process over in the 117th Congress. But when it does come forward again, which we're fairly positive that it, it will, please contact your Congress members and, and uh Ask them to support the Ready Act. Ready Act, thank you. You know, yeah. well, friends are pretty much for them, so you can't ask your friends to come out and get you. You know, exactly. Like that. Thank you yeah. very much. For sure. I'll beat myself now. And um, let me see. We have another hand up. Let's unmute. 
an area, I mean, the number ending in 388? Yeah, this is Cindy C. from um, Birmingham, Alabama, and Savannah, Georgia. When I just wanted to say an experience. Um, about 20 years ago, or let's see, it was uh, 21 years ago, we had to evacuate Savannah for Hurricane Floyd. And luckily, we had a place to go to, which was my aunt in an outlying county. But um, it was just it was just hectic because the police were really, my mother had to ask questions to the police. We would just shut up and drive. They were really rude to us. And we had our dog in the car, you know, and... I was just, I'm just, I'm really concerned about, you know, where people, um, I'd like to know later it was what new strategies are coming out to work with the evacuation problem where you don't have a family member, you can't get somebody, and you, you know, I just like to be updated on what strategies you are, you are doing to um, help out with this issue, mm-hmm. or this problem. Yeah, that's a great question. And like I said, that's not one with an easy answer. So I'd love to hear if other, like uh, Patty said, if people have stories and have strategies they've utilized. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just, what I'm saying is I want to be updated, um, you know, on these calls about any new strategies, new bills come out. For sure. You know, yep. when, when, they, when they come, because the thing is so readily available now. I don't mean now. I mean, you know, when, when something new comes up, some new plan of action or or whatever. And anytime anything comes up that's uh, either a piece of federal legislation or a regulatory process that's um, done by the executive branch of the government, um, we in the national office make sure that that information is disseminated to ACB members through our different listservs as well as the Washington Connection. So always keep your ears open um, for those kinds of things. Obviously, um, good patterns of practice are something that as members we should share with each other. But if it applies to the federal government, we always try to make sure that that information will get to you guys. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have another hand just came up. Melody. Okay, several years back, it's a success story. Um, I'm sorry. Um, it was probably 2, 3 in the morning and our stove had been accidentally turned on and I had started to smell the gas. It was a gas stove and we all know how much visually impaired people love gas appliances. And I woke up, I woke everybody up and I said, you know, the stove is on, something's on. My mom looks and she said, oh, you know, she just saved our lives. And when I had COVID back in May, I lost my sense of taste and smell completely for about five days and I was paranoid that I wouldn't get it back. And I thought, oh, will I not be able to do that again? Mm. Thank you for sharing. Um, if no one else has their hand, I might, I might call on Jay because he has been a uh, experienced firefighter and, and and Eugene as well. Do, do either of you have um, techniques that you found that have worked? Well, what I found that works is when people get the warnings, they don't wait until the last minute to start uh, deciding where they're going to go. As soon as they get the warnings that it's heading towards their area, they need to get their plans in action and start going. Don't wait around. Make sure you got uh, birth certificates and needed papers with you. Make sure you, if you got some cash, take it with you too. Thank you, Eugene. The other thing is before even something happens, start developing a plan by having those birth certificates, having those, you know, different items, because this way something happens, it's an emergency. You you need to know right where to grab things. It's best to have them in a fireproof type box, uh, maybe even one that's uh, waterproof, 
That way you can take it with you. And it's all you got to do is grab the one box, not have to look around for everything. Anyone else have any stories? My group is very quiet tonight. And one other thing, if you got somebody in your family that drives, uh, don't keep your car on uh, where you only have a quarter of a tank of gas. If you hear there's a storm that's maybe coming to your area, go down and gas up because as soon as it, it starts coming, you're going to have big, long gas lines and you don't want to have to wait in line to get gas. Well, that was phone number ending in 070. Has her hand up or his hand up? Yes, it's uh, Kenny in Hawaii. And I guess I kind of have a question. Because um, see over here, we have a sirens that go off. Um, that's an early warning <clears throat> signal for hurricanes, tsunami, that type of thing. Um, and I was at work one night. This has been a few years back. And... They canceled work because of the tsunami warning. Um, and I called paratransit. I had a ride later that night. And they said, oh, yeah, well, we're picking people up. So in an emergency over here, the paratransit service are part of the first responders. And they make sure that everyone gets home and they pick up everyone. It doesn't matter your schedule, your time, or your ride that you have. And if you if it's a tsunami warning, they will check to make sure that if you live in a tsunami zone, they will not take you home. They'll take you to a shelter or whatever. And I was just curious in other parts of the country, is the paratransit service involved in that way with emergencies? I have no idea. Wow. Claire? Uh, yeah. Um, so as far as I know, that is not a uh, required policy under the Americans with Disabilities Act. That definitely sounds like Hawaii is going above and beyond. So that's phenomenal. That's great. Um, so I would suggest then find out if that is your local paratransits policy, because that sounds like a, a great, very awesome thing to have. Wow. I, I'm a little doubtful, for instance, in the Washington, D.C. area that they would do that for us, but you never know. So that sounds like a great thing. Find out if that's an option because that does sound oh, yeah, like it I was, I was, beyond. Yeah, I was very curious about that because they will not leave you stranded here. Um, and like I say, they they are part of the first response uh, team and a lot of things, especially with shuttling people around to uh, different shelters and whatever. So I, I didn't know if it was the same way on the mainland or what. I, I was just curious. Thank you, though. That's great. That's that's awesome. And Melody would like to speak again. Okay. As far as I know, our transit authority, the Central Ohio Transit Authority, does not have a policy like that in place. And if anybody with ACB Ohio is listening, you can correct me, of course. Um, and they are even picky about if you have an emergency, if you don't modify your trip on time, they'll want to charge you or not refund you or not want to do it at all so it can be problematic and eugene is next yeah for the, the local area where i live they uh they stopped doing uh pickups and everything 24 hours prior to the you know like storm coming in and we do not have any systems where they do sirens or anything like that to uh warn you it's uh either listening to it on the radio or you catch it on the tv um Otherwise, if you don't catch it on any of them, you don't know anything about it. Anyone else? Um, one more. Patricia Lepowski. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. 
I just wanted to mention that in my area, our paratransit does transport to shelters. Um, mm -hmm. You just have to let them know ahead of time. Uh, they will bring you to a shelter, and then after the coast is clear, they will come back and bring you home. So I think, um, you know, wherever you live, you might want to check on that, see if that is uh, possible. I don't think it's mandated by law. I think it's a courtesy. So uh, it, it sure would pay to at least call and ask if your local paratransit would do that. Yeah, based on those last two two stories, which are phenomenal, it sounds like, yeah, we should all do our due diligence and find out what our local paratransit provider does in emergency situations. Because, yeah, it's not, not legally required, but it sounds like different providers do different things. So I, I feel like I need to go out now and find out what my local paratransit will or will not do. So, Where are you from, Patricia? I live in Daytona Beach, Florida. Okay. Volusia County. And uh, your next one is Alan Ramos. Yes, I'm wondering, yeah. are, there, are there any uh, safety concerns regarding individuals that have to go to uh, a health, homeless shelter, provided uh, some may not be safe, you know, because there's so many different individuals that come to these shelters. So I was wondering, are there any concerns for people with disabilities in homeless shelters? Um, that's a good good topic of discussion. I must admit I'm not um, not an expert on that, so I don't want to speak out of turn. Okay, because I know uh, there was an individual some years back, they used to stay with my brother and I, and mm -hmm. uh, she was concerned about her safety in a homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was why I'm, I'm asking this kind of question. No, that's a great question. It's definitely something if anybody um, has that kind of need, let us know and we'd definitely be willing to to do the research and find the right resources. Like I said, I just don't want to make any assumptions out of turn uh, without the proper information. Okay. But we can definitely find the information. Because there's, in, you know, with a lot of these homeless shelters, things change, things move around. There's, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. That'd be very difficult for someone who is either totally blind or partially blind uh, with O&M concerns, you know, that's what I'm For thinking. sure. And if that was the case, um, I think that would very um, squarely fall under the ADA as a reasonable accommodation that, for instance, if they had to move around, a fair accommodation would be that they didn't have to. So I think you could definitely then apply the Americans with Disabilities Act <clears throat> and make sure that accommodations like that are, are provided. But again, when with the ADA, it's always on an individual basis. And uh, phone number ending in 374. You should be unmuted. You are. 374. Go ahead and speak. Well, we're waiting for that person, Claire. Have have affiliates or can affiliates um, get together and, and make suggestions to their state and local um, entities to, to try and get some of the stuff moving in the states? Because sometimes... The federal is so so high, you know, it is yeah. so much greater. And is it good for us to start looking as affiliates to to try to do some of these things? I think that would be phenomenal. And you know, like you said, we're working at the federal level and we always appreciate you guys' help by making phone calls. But yeah, definitely work at the state level. Um, as we're hearing from people, states are so different, right? You know, we don't have to, God willing, worry about hurricanes here in the D.C. area, but other states like Florida do. And so there are different needs in every region. And so different accommodations are needed. So I think it would be great and such an awesome project for state affiliates to work on to, to know what's necessary and applicable to your state. Um, so I think that would be an outstanding thing for state affiliates to work on. 
Yes, Karen? Hi, that was me trying to unmute. Um, I was going to answer Kenny's question, but a couple of other people answered as well. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they do not, the paratransit system, they do not uh, take you to shelters. Um, they do not care what kind of emergency is going on. They'll even call you if you're out and about, like wherever you are, and tell you that they may not be able to come pick you up, you know, because then the drivers start wanting to disappear and stuff. And then they'll call you and say, well, we don't know if we're going to be able to pick you up. So they don't care. They they do absolutely nothing when it comes to emergencies. You can say that again. Um, pretty Philadelphia is pretty ruthless. Yeah, they don't care at all. They don't care at all. Yeah. I can't say one thing too. So I'm sure a lot of you know this, but the way paratransit works is it has to run parallel with the public bus system that you have in your community. So. Uh, with COVID, we've seen, for instance, in our communities that a lot of public transportation has been cut down because of the, the pandemic. And so legally, paratransit can cut down because it has to run parallel, right? They have to be the same thing. Uh, now, I know a lot of communities, paratransits have been awesome and have continued to provide the same services or more, but that's not what they're legally provided to do. So anyways, anyway, the reason I'm telling you this is if in your community they're providing less services in during the pandemic because they just think it's a hassle or they don't have the resources or whatever it is, let us know in the national office and or your state affiliate because that is violating the ADA. Again, they can provide less services if your whole county is providing less services, but they can't go down even further because we have heard stories from people saying, well, great, I have no paratransit services whatsoever. So if that's happening, let the national and or state affiliate know because that's something we can't help advocate for. Telephone number ending in 388 is next. Yes. Um, I just want to tell you one strategy. This has nothing to do with emergency thing, but one thing I, I was, I, the, the virus hit and this is Cindy again, the virus hit in March. And for three months, um, I wasn't aware that our paratransit service was doing free rides. They, they do free now for, for a while. I started riding in June because um, um, I was, like, it was I go to a service for job applications, classes. And uh, so I was told that I could start, uh, that they were opening again. So right now, they're, they're, um, it's still not, not good service, but they're, they're um they're doing free rides. You don't have to buy tickets right now. Here in Alabama, they are. Or in Birmingham. I don't know about anywhere else. But Thanks. And DJ Kessler, I'm asking you to unmute. Oh, you are, I may have just accidentally made you go. Here you are. Okay. You hear me okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I, I unmuted myself, and then it, I got the message. Any case, let's, the topic is... Given in the last year the number of uh, weather events where people who are blind have been caught in, um, do we have any statistical information as to um, how well, even if things were planned out, how well they worked? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. We had the emergency preparedness task force that I talked about that we're part of at ACB. Um, uh -huh. We had a meeting this past, maybe six, it was before COVID, so more than six months ago, but within the past year with the um, 
I'm blanking on the name. I apologize. It's the the subset of FEMA that deals with disability rights issues and disability accommodations during emergency. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And we had we had a meeting with them, and we're trying to build up a rapport and a relationship with them. And I know they had talked about doing studies and statistics. So theoretically, they're out there. We haven't had as great a relationship with that office as we would have liked. It's really changed in the last administration. So before we really knew a lot of people and then like any new administration, you know, employees change and things kind of start all over. So all that so to say, so yeah, we have so to all, start all over. It's not meant a matter of extending where we were exactly. starting over. Yeah. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. So all that to say, <laughs> the statistics are out there and I'm sure we could prod around and try to find them. Um, and that's a great idea. Um, and we do technically have that relationship, but it's it's kind of weak at this point. <laughs> but we're trying to grow it. We're we're really trying to grow it. But okay, there's, now there, there's something that we can we can work on because I saw I looked at some paradise um, sites where the you know the 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 town was burned out and mm-hmm. they were mostly older people mm-hmm. and then and I have friends up there so it was of my interest mm-hmm. and they actually you know people talked on the media about how inadequate situation they were but in actuality they were pretty they had a system pretty well set up and considered everything that they could consider uh but nature had something else in mind in terms of how it interacted with the you know playing with the people's heads who were there so you know i'm not i'm thinking you know we pretty well have a good plan but you know we need to understand where we can the plan will work and where it it won't work by the way i came in homie on the wrong you know, late. So um, I don't know if I'm, my questions are in the right place, but I'm glad to hear that at least something was being done. So we just have to regroup. Mm-hmm. Patty, I just want to give you, a, that's the end of the calls that we have right now. Yes. Um, but I also just want to remind you that you've got about 10 minutes left. Okay. Okay. Um. Well, I want to thank Claire for, for helping us. And um, Claire, if we have any other comments, I'm sure we'll be getting in touch with you. And maybe yes, after Cecilia speaks next week, we may come up with more because um, she's had some experience in doing some of these presentations. So I'm sure that we'll gain a lot more knowledge and come up with a lot more ideas and suggestions. So I'm sure Great. that we'll be in touch. So of course, please. Thank you. Anytime. If you have yeah. to go. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Um, so next week, Cecilia will come. She she was a, a um, firefighter as a, as a sighted person, has now lost her vision, but she still does a lot of um, presentations on um, emergency preparedness and, and what to do. Um, she, she does come from Maryland, but I really tried to impress on her that we are from all over the, all over the nation and sometimes even into Canada and that, you know, we need to look at everything from tsunamis to fires to you know, floods, earthquakes, it, it's all different. And no matter what type of weather situation it is, you know, um, we here in the in northern states even deal with blizzards. And, and that's a whole nother um, situation when you're dealing with blizzard warnings and, and what you can do and 
And um, I, I hope that you never lose phone service in that type of a situation or that you don't have enough food because, you know, there can be a couple of days where you may not be able to get out or um, anyone can get to see you. So we each have our own experiences. Patty, if you don't mind, I'll tell you, um, I think you'll all in very much get a lot out of Cecilia's presentation. She has a tremendous amount of experience in all kinds of emergency situations. And I, th I think you'll all very much enjoy hearing and talking with Cecilia next week. And since we have a few minutes left, I mean, we may not have time next week. The following week, what would anyone like to talk about? We're moving in now to more winter. We're moving into more holiday stuff. You know, we can do that. And there's a lot of things we can still talk about, you know, as far as, as homes and, you know, and we may even want to an evening where we have someone come in and talk about the various um, smart devices that we we could, I know there's been presentations on that, but we may want a phone call on that some night with a presenter on the various smart devices that could be, um, it, you know, put into our homes to make life a little easier. Does anyone have any ideas? I know there were a couple that came up last week. Okay, people don't all speak at once. <laughs> any ideas? You can unmute yourselves now and just let us know because we're, we're done asking questions and things. So please, if you have anything, just unmute yourself and chime in. Okay, this is Melody. Um, I was wondering if we could do a topic one night on how to survive if we are being held under duress against our will, if we're in a domestic violence situation, if we're being attacked or assaulted, and how, as a blind or visually impaired um, person, you know, self-defense, if we're being held at gunpoint, knife point, you know, or, you know, whatnot. Terry, would there be speakers for that? You're so good at doing your vis visibilities to getting these wonderful speakers. That would be very useful because I know people have been, you know, violated in their homes and, and not just in their homes. I mean, that it does happen at home a lot. So thank you, Melody, for that one. Identity theft. Okay. Jay, good. That was Jay, right? Yes. Okay. Do you have some background knowledge in that, Jay? You're, you're such a knowledgeable man. Uh, not personally, but it can happen very easily by your mail, um, different other topics. I mean, yes, it's just in a, it's in every, I mean, our phones, our computers are full, oh, you know, standing in line at the grocery store. They can get your card if you're not holding it right. Yep. Well, I've had it done to me. Uh, I had somebody get a charge card application out of my mailbox, I guess, and uh, it was one of those uh, pre-approved, and they had the cards sent to their address, and they went out and charged over $1,000 worth of stereo equipment. And then when I got the call saying I was behind on my uh, credit card bill, I said, what credit card bill? They said, the one you have with us. I said, I don't have an account with you all. Come to find out, uh, one of the guys that lived at that address was in the jail for credit card fraud. The other one had just got out. And seeing as how it was only $1,000, the bank wouldn't uh, prosecute because they said it would cost more than that to prosecute them. So the, the two guys got away with $1,000 worth of uh, electronic equipment. Good. Identity theft and the uh, violence. Okay. Eugene. Yes. Yes. Eugene, um, I was, this is Teresa. I was going to address Eugene. I find that, you know, if I receive a you know credit card application in the mail and something I don't want, I don't just 
throw it away. I tear it up. Oh, I shred all my I mail. I shred. Yes, yes. I yeah, got yeah. shred here and I shred, scan it. Shred, 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 yeah. Shredders are wonderful. Yeah. Oh, they are. But the problem is, you know, and matter of fact, one of my guys in my council, he uh, was out walking one day and he was coming back. He seen somebody stop at his mailbox and he thought maybe it might have been the, the mailman or something because yeah, he doesn't have a good vision and uh, find out that somebody took mail out of his mailbox. And I think we're hearing more and more of that because now they're in, in like apartments have them in big groups outside. So it's so much easier. And I mean, they're, they're implementing some systems, which would be really interesting to find out about. Well, you so know I, what? Well, you know what? In my, um, my complex, they are in a big group outside, but you know what? The mailboxes have locks on them. Yeah. And that does help. That's, yes. Can't, that do that, can't do that for a house though. No, can't do that for a house. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's a bummer. But there, there's improvements coming. But I'm, we've had to fight for it a long time. So yeah, the biggest thing is if if you're if you grandfathered in the house when it was built, you could have your mailbox up by the door. But once you sell it and somebody else takes it over, then your mailbox has got to go out by the street. Yep. Yeah. They don't they um, don't care whether you're handicapped or not. No. Well, you know, when my sister was alive, she lived in a um, house. And um, their mailboxes were in a little um, a little building in a cluster in a building. So I think you had to have a key to get into that building. Well, you know, all kinds of interesting um, ways that people are dealing with it, but it's a great topic. Yeah, right. Hey, this well, is uh, Barry here. Yes. This is time. Yes, Terry. Yeah, this is something that's occurred to me, um, especially with Prime Day being tomorrow and the next day on Amazon. Yeah, last yeah. year there were oh, a lot yeah. of issues. Last year there were a lot of issues with packages being taken off of people's porches and and lobby areas and such. And I think it's really important, especially for those of us who have smart speakers or the A lady as we mm -hmm. got to calling. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure that you have your notifications um, set so that uh, Amazon will notify you uh, on your smart speaker and you can also get it by email, a notification when anything has been dropped off for yes. you. And it's one wonderful. That ni that's nice about it, if you did have a problem, I'm not sure which ones of the um, delivery companies have it, but I know at least some of them actually take a picture of the package in front of your door and take a picture of wherever they've left it. And that's in the email so that if you didn't get something, at least you would have that to send back to them as part of the evidence. We have to find out that company for our, our presentation that night. So I think we're near the end, aren't we, Terry? And I'm sure there's still comments. Two minutes till. What time? Two, Two minutes till six. Minutes. Okay. Yeah, I'm I have a quick one. Okay. Um, I suggest everybody uh, check their credit cards at least once a week if they can. Um, I had a situation where I just had a feeling one night and I checked my cards and someone at Discover put $12,000 onto my card. And it was before the bill was due and I called that away and they started an investigation. And I caught it in time, and uh, uh, things can really happen. Very, very good. Point. Very good. We are at time, oh. I'm afraid. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, and I will I will look into some presenters for those two topics, because I think they are very crucial to living in our homes and apartments um, and wherever. I have another thing. Um, just um, say you're in a bullying situation, whether you're, you know, like it's living in a 
an apartment or your whatever, that might be something to do, you know, how to handle bullies. Um, that's another topic to talk about in your home, sweet home. Um, how do you, because you know, I'm in a lot of anti-bullying groups on Facebook, and uh, that's another topic for future. 